of grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, we consider today the rock from which we were hewn. We consider today where we have come from, what we're attached to, what kind of a people we are. And perhaps the first thing as we go back is that we want to consider our forefathers. Now, as I was preparing for this sermon for today, it became very interesting to me you know, just who are the people our text mentions? Well, one was Father Abraham. And certainly we've heard sermons about the faithfulness of Father Abraham, about the, the miraculous things that he participated in, the, the, the wonderful acts of, of faith that he was a part of. You know, have you considered... But Father Abraham left his home country and was traveling around with his wife. We're told his wife was very beautiful. In fact, many kings in the area were attracted to his wife. And each time he would come to a new kingdom, he would say, She is my sister. Because he, he was afraid he might be killed. They, they just would take, take his life away and, and, and have his wife for themselves. And so he always would say, she is my sister. Yet the Lord God always intervened. The Lord God always caused miraculous means to come to pass whereby it would be revealed to the king in a dream or through angelic conversation. You know, this is another man's wife. And if you touch her, it will be the end of you. And so many of the kings would gather together a lot of wealth, and they said, well, excuse me, I'm really sorry. Here, take a bunch of my stuff, and, and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Right? It, it, is that really the, the mark of a, a great moral leader? Yeah. Think about it. Abraham had that, that great promise, you, you know, your son is going to be the first of many and, and your offspring will be like the, the sands on the seashore. And he got to be about 100 years old and his wife was about 90 and he was like, I, I don't know what's going on, but you know, I, I don't have an heir yet. And his wife convinced him to, to go and sleep with the maidservant and, and produce an heir. And, and it, it came to pass. You know, we, we don't often hear much of, about that, that heir, but he became one of the fathers of the Muslim nation. You know, just think about it. If Abraham had not sinned, there wouldn't be a Muslim people today. Again, uh, the sin of adultery, right? You know, the, the whole Bible leads us to, to that, you know, presupposition that sex is sacred in God's eyes. And he just breaks that principle. And yet the Bible comes and tells us, remember Abraham. 
Remember the, the rock from which he was hewn. Remember the faithfulness that he had. Who's the other example? Well, King David is always held up as the example, isn't he? But of course, we also remember the many sins that King David committed. The one year his army went off to war, and it was that kind of that time of year. They had some problems on one of the fronts. He, he decided he needed a little bit longer vacation. Wasn't going to go into the field and, and lead the troops this time. He's lounging around on the roof of his palace, and he, he looks over and he sees his neighbor's wife bathing on the roof of their home. Sin enters his heart. Right? He, he takes that, that woman into his uh, uh, palace. He, he makes of her a, a mistress. And well, lo and behold, she becomes pregnant. And now what is he going to do? Uriah, her husband, is off at the front. He can do math. You know? he, he decides to have Uriah come back on leave. This will be a time when, you know, they, they can get together and they can pretend like it's really Uriah's child. But Uriah, being a righteous man, said, you know what, as long as my men are out in the field, I'm not going to go home to my wife. As long as my men can't go home to their wives, I'm not going home to my wife. He stayed in the barracks. Foiled the plan. So King David sends ahead to the general. He says, guess what? I want you, you know, to, to go with Uriah into battle. And then I want you to just like pull back and let the enemy kill him. And the general followed the king's command. Uriah dies in battle, abandoned by everyone that he trusted. Is that a great role model? Is that someone that, that we want to follow? And yet the Lord comes and he says, remember from where you came. See, he, he's not saying remember the great role models that you had. Remember the, the heroic deeds that the people did that came before you. But rather, he's always pointing further back, isn't he? He's pointing to the rock. He's pointing to the Christ. He's pointing us beyond our expectations. In a sense, it kind of relieves us in, in some areas of our family life, doesn't it? Because, well, you know, guess what? Not all of our families have been perfect. Have they? You know, many of us were blessed that we came from godly homes, and you know, many of us had you know ninety, ninety-five percent even, you know, good things happening when we grew up. But maybe you know some of the family secrets, and maybe you consider within your own mind some of the places your your relatives have gone astray. And maybe even you said at times, if that's how Christians behave, 
I don't know if I want any part of that. But no, the Lord God, he comes and he tells us, remember the rock from which you're hewn. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ as the foundation. The, the Bible is very clear that we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. There are probably times in, in each of our lives that we look back on with regret. There may be decisions that we made at times where you say that, that just was kind of the wrong thing to choose. Maybe those decisions had far-reaching consequences. But the decisions that we make, the sins that we commit, right, cannot separate us from the love of God. Now, isn't that amazing? If we will but repent, you see. The, the child that David was going to have with Bathsheba, the, the, the first child, died. Well, the child that was sick, David, we're told, was in sackcloth and ashes. You know, what is sackcloth? It, it, it's like the, the gunny sack, right? It's like those old sacks that your seed used to come in. Right? You know, just kind of loosely woven together, you know, kind of designed to be thrown away perhaps after you, you get the, the seed back to your farm. You know, just something to be able to transport things. The mighty king of Israel, wearing sackcloth, covering himself in ashes. Praying that the Lord would spare the child. Repenting of the great sin that he's committed. In his repentance, David finds forgiveness. Again, Abraham, you know, going through the, the course of his life, finally having a son of his own, someone that is going to pass on the promise, someone from which will offspring will come as many as the sands on the seashore. And the Lord feels the need to administer that final test, right? You can think about it as, a, as an employer, as a commanding officer, as a parent. You know, okay, I have this guy, and each time he goes to a new area, he lies about his wife, right? Doesn't really trust me to take care of it. Thinks he's going to get killed. Doesn't listen to me when I promise him that he's going to have offspring. You know, doesn't trust in me. Okay, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, your son, your only son that you love and cherish so very much. I want you to take him up on the hill. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. 
right? I, I don't think that would ever have occurred if Abraham had led a life of trusting in God. But the Lord has to know. This is the one I've chosen for a hundred years. He's been failing. You know? I have to see what he's going to do. Well, we're told Abraham, he got up the very next morning. He got up early. He packed up all of his things. He took Isaac, his only beloved son, along with him. We can maybe hear in our mind the, the words of you know, the, the little 10-year-old boy, you know? Dad, what about the sacrifice? And Abraham just responds, oh, God will provide. God's going to provide. Don't worry about it. Imagine the, the fear in the eyes of the 10-year-old boy as his father binds him and, and takes him to the, the place and lays him on the altar. Now, Dad, what's going on? But Abraham passed that test. He showed that finally he was willing to trust in God. He showed that he fully believed God could raise his son from the dead if he so willed it. He finally got to that place in his life where faith was complete. He passed the test. Now, dear friends, in our own lives, we too come into the same kinds of situations, don't we? And we too also consider, once again, family members that we've seen fail, perhaps. We say, oh, you know, my, my, my dad, my grandpa, my grandma, my uncle, my cousin. Now, look what happened to them. And yet we come back again to that center. Remember the rock from which you were hewn. Remember the forgiveness that can be found in the arms of our Savior. If we will but repent, if we will but trust in Him, the past doesn't matter in His eyes. Uh, certainly in the world there are consequences, aren't there? And, and certainly I would never want you to go away from this sermon and, and say, hey, I can sin and it'll be okay and everything will be fine. And maybe in the future they'll regard me as an Abraham. Maybe in the future people will see me as a, a David, even though I committed these sins for, you know, you, you look at the life of King David after his sin, you look at the internal turmoil in, in his own family, right, you look at how the people began to, to reject him and the struggles that he had. And, and you see, you know, that the forgiveness of God isn't going to keep you out of jail if you go out and sin this afternoon, right? The forgiveness of God is not maybe even going to limit the punishments this world will heap 
upon you. But what the forgiveness of God does is it restores your relationship. And what the forgiveness of God does is it opens the way to heaven for you, for your family members, even though they lied and committed adultery and murder and scheme and did evil. You see, God loves us so much that all it takes is that we respect His Son. Now, we, we try to put it in the, the most you know, simple terms possible. You know, that's all that matters. When you hear the blessed words of the gospel, Jesus Christ died for your sin, you know, how do you respond to that? You say, oh, who cares? Oh, it's just an old wives' tale? Oh well. Or do you say, wow. God loved me that much. He sent Jesus to die for my sin. I'm forgiven. I can face the new day. I can have a new hope in God. I can go out and live my life in a brand new way again. Hey, that's what the gospel is all about. And that's really what it means to consider where we came from. Remember the rock from which we were hewn. Maybe we just kind of been laying around an old dirty rock in a junk pile for some time. But then the Lord comes and he says, remember where you came from. See? We came from something noble. We came from something good. No matter how soiled, perhaps, we've become no matter how battered and weathered we might be feeling, we are the Lord's. We belong to God. He purchased us with the price of the blood of His beloved Son. He loves us so very much that even knowing some of the sinful conditions we would dwell in, he sent Jesus anyway. Now, dear friends, if he can forgive a king who schemes and murders and commits adultery, if he can forgive his chief man who lied and schemed and got wealth deceitfully, committed adultery, he can forgive your loved ones. He can forgive your father, your grandfather, 
your nieces, your nephews, your sons and daughters, your cousins. He can bring to each of them a brand new life. A life where they're cleansed from their sin. A life where their minds are freed from the condemnation of the past. A mind where they can face tomorrow with a brand new joy. A joy that says, I come from God. Jesus died for my sin. Jesus loves me so much. He gave up his life. He opened the way to heaven. Jesus forgives me. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.